Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is up, Wizards fans? Welcome to another Believe in Wizards podcast. I'm Matt Moderno. He's Jihadi White. Jihadi, the Wizards have not won since we talked, so uh, not a whole lot of exciting stuff to talk about there. But I think we can kind of put a good spin on how they can improve a lot of the things, and uh, there's plenty of things to improve. So give us a lot to talk about here today. Oh, yeah. Matt, my man. Matt, my man. Yeah, it's uh, it's all about perspective, man. You know, uh, they haven't won a lot. They have been playing some good quarters. They have For done sure. some good things, yep. but in the end of the day, still getting those L's. Yep. Yeah, that's that's tough. Uh, good quarters is a good call. We went from losing all of the third quarters to now seemingly falling apart in the fourth quarter. So at least they're moving maybe in the right direction here, I guess. Uh, but before we get going, we're brought to you by Stateside Vodka and their Surfside Hard Ice Teas. We're also brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online's your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, matchup reports. Everything you need for boxing, golf, UFC, and more. And uh, you can head to the website and use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for 50% off your welcome deposit on your first uh, first deposit. And uh, bet online. It's where the game starts. So with that, Jihadi, uh, just for anybody who didn't see the games this week, because there are people apparently who listen to this without watching all of the games right now uh, and rely on us to catch them up, which is appreciated. Uh, the Wizards are 2-9. and nine. They lost to the nine and three Dallas Mavericks the other night. It was one thirty to one seventeen. Honestly, kind of not really as close as the score. And the game right before that, they lost one eleven to one oh seven to Toronto, despite being up you know twenty five points. I think the Wizards went like the final six minutes without a basket and blew you know fifteen sixteen point lead at that point. Uh, that one was one of the tougher losses I can remember in the last couple of years. So uh, just. Just a tough week so far for Wizards basketball. Yeah, yeah, it has been. It has been. But like I said, it's all about perspective. It's it's what you're looking at. Hmm. At this point, yeah, I'm looking for a win. Sure. But I'm looking for also uh, progression, yeah. right? I do see a lot of progression, mm-hmm. right? especially that Toronto game. You know, it, it was a tough loss because that's the game you said, okay, we're finally about to get one. Yep. But if you really, to me, that Toronto game really showed us that, showed me that in segments, we can have very good defensive quarters and very good rebounding quarters, right? Yeah. So it was a group that was in there that was a group you wouldn't expect to be our best defensive group. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, who was in the game? Uh, it was Kispert in the game, yeah, Kulabali, yeah, Muscala, Denny, and then sometime it was Poole, sometime it was Shaman. Yeah, Shaman's been playing pretty decent defense, he just can't make a shot, unfortunately, so far. That's the thing I'm about to say. That group, we didn't really get any crazy offensive looks and didn't even put up a lot of points offensively, but we were able to. Keep the lead 
and sustain it, sustain lead and, and, and progress a little bit because we got to stop and limit them, limit them, limited them to one shot mm-hmm. every time down the floor. And I'm looking at the group and I'm like, well, how's this working? This group together first. Secondly, I, I never would consider this group a great defensive group, but they were just so sound. Right. Yeah, it goes a long way. And it was just so sound. Yep. And and that that was probably the end of the first quarter, the beginning of the second quarter, that phase where they were in. Mm-hmm. And I never seen us look so solid. Yeah. Defensive-wise. And that really kind of helped our starters to come back out there with extra energy. Now, our defense did drop once the starters did go back out. No lie. Mm -hmm. Right? But that was a sound core that really um, gave the rest of the team something to to harp on and stay on and try to continue. Yeah, the energy was good, I thought. Like, they they seemed into it, at least. And and that's... I don't know, a large portion of the battle, I think. Uh, this is a little bit of something I wanted to segue into later, but I think this is this is actually kind of, um, this is good timing. So Josh Robbins of The Athletic wrote an article about Wes Unsell Jr. and their commitment to him, at least through the rest of this year, as long as they continue to see the things we're just talking about, right? Like improvement from some of the young guys, improvement from Koulibaly and Denny Aftia, which we've seen. But he talked a lot about the defense and, I don't know, uh, had a little bit of a, an issue with some of the things he said here. And it was almost like he basically said outright, like, Hey, these are excuses for why the defense hasn't been good under West on junior, but they're fair excuses. And, and I agree to some extent, but he said, uh, no one did, would deny that to a play effective defense, a group of players must make a legitimate effort on that end. But in sharp contrast to youth leagues and high school ball, which I think is a shot at us, uh, amateur fans, but that's okay. Effort is not the only ingredient to successful NBA defense. Positional size, athleticism, experience in the NBA, and the trust that stems from experience playing together matter too. To put it another way, even if all the Wizards players put in superb efforts, the defense would still be limited in how well it could perform most nights. I, I agree with that to some extent, right? Like if you don't have elite guys, you're you're probably going to struggle, but it doesn't need to be superb effort every night. We just saw that, that when they had reasonable effort and guys were sound defensively, I, no one's asking them to lead the league in defense this year. We're just asking them to not be 29th or 30th or whatever they are at the moment. And when these guys are solid, they're they're putting some good quarters together. It's when guys look apathetic and the effort isn't there that people are just like running a train on them. And honestly, it's it's hard to watch. And you can see certain guys that are just putting in no effort and they're point switching everything and just like kind of rolling over. So I don't really buy that unless you have like elite defenders one through 12, you can't play good NBA defense or you have to put in maximum effort at all times, put in good effort with solid guys that you can at least be a middle of the road defensive team. I would think. Yeah, I don't buy that either, but I also know there's great defensive players and there's great offensive players. Sure. And the yeah. guy who loves the score usually aren't, isn't the best defensive player. They, they yeah. you, you're, you're heavy one side. Mm-hmm. Either offensive minded or you're very defensive minded. Now, he also made a point to where you know, you know the how long the guy. If you're a veteran, so the the group I just named that I said I said we had that good defensive core with. Yeah, not a ton of vets there. I mean, it actually was. 
uh, Koulibaly and Kispert. I mean, I guess Kispert's oh, a vet. Koulibaly is not a vet. Yeah, right? I, I guess Kispert's closest to a vet for this team. Kispert has some years on his belt. Yeah, that's you right. You know, uh, Denny has some years on his belt. Muscala, right? So, Muscala, and, yeah. now, and these guys aren't heavy offensive weapons. They can, they're good offensive weapons. Some of them not at all. No. So, they know, they also know how to sustain in the league. So you got a core group of guys that's out there, knows how to sustain in the league, understand, but not guys who are just like a pool or a Kuzma. And they really came together as just some, you know, your workers, your worker mm-hmm. bees. And they did a good job because they're more worker bee minded than their their role players. Right. And so I think that really, really showed that okay. It's those type that can really help us help us out as well. Yeah. So he's he's. Do I hear an excuse? Yeah, but is he wrong all the way? No, no, I agree. Yeah, it's just it's the like I get it right, like I get it. But the effort the effort bothered me. Unless they play, you know, even if they play with maximum effort, they're still not going to be very good defensively. I don't think that's true. Like even a lower end NBA athlete, still a pretty darn good athlete, and these are veteran guys that have found ways to stick in the league for a long time. If they play with really good effort and they play solid defensively and they're bought into the scheme, you're not going to be at the 29th ranked defense in the league this year. Like it's just, I don't buy that portion like that. They can't be good because they don't have the tools to do it is kind of a cop out to me. Well, yeah, because the first thing it comes down to is principles. Yeah. Right. I agree. I mean, then go back when you were in high school Mm -hmm. and they tied a rope up to every player. Right, and you got to be five, you like five men on the screen thing. Yeah, exactly. right. And so now that's team concept defense. Yeah, it starts off with a team concept defense, team concept principles. Are we lead? Are we pushing the baseline? Are we boxing out? Are we pushing the middle? Are we cutting off the volleyball? You know all those things, right? Yeah. So that's the first thing. Like, are they buying into the team concept of defense and your and your and what we're putting out there first? Mm-hmm. So now, if there's a missed rotation, not only you know about it, Everybody. but every player on the floor knows about it, right? And then every, and he knows he made a bad a missed rotation, right? And that's how you but, hold guys accountable when everybody knows who's missing what. Right. Right. Now, if there's no rotation to be missed, just get him and switch, right? This <laughs> type of thing. Yeah. Then no one's there to be held accountable because your teammates can't hold you accountable because there's no there's no principles involved. Yep. So now it is all individually. Mm-hmm. So then if I'm a coach, it's not on me. Right. Yeah, I've just washed my hands of it. Like, oh, well, like, I mean, right. that's part of the challenge for me, too, is like Wes Unseld is brought in here to be this defensive guru. Like that's supposed to be where he hangs his hat. And there are plenty of teams that have had this level of defensive personnel or or even less talented groups that have done more because they schemed things so effectively or. They found the right groups. Just what you're talking about. Okay, these these guys work well together. They're bought in. This is the defense group. Like, this is what we roll with. And for him, uh, my guy Damo from the Wizards of Gallery Place podcast tweeted out a little bit before the show here that the Wizards' defensive ratings under Wes Unseld, uh, they were 25th in the league in 2021, 21st last year, and they're 27th so far this year. They've had decent personnel. Uh, KCP is a good defender on every other team but the Wizards. Daniel Gafford has been largely a pretty good defensive player. Uh, DeLon Wright, largely a good defensive player. Denny Avdia, a good defensive player. 
Koulibaly might be the second best defensive player as a rookie in the league this year under Wembenyama, who they're talking about winning defensive player of the year as a rookie. So it's not like you have no dudes. Like, I, I mean, it's not me going out there and trying to guard NBA players. I, I just don't buy that that if he's this creative defensive genius, they can't be better than bottom five every fucking year. Like, it's, it's just wearing on me. You can't be a defensive genius if you're worrying about each player individually. Yeah, right. A defensive genius is almost like a defensive coordinator. Yeah. It's a it's a group effort, mm-hmm. right? It's a it's it's all one brain. Right. Right. Yeah. So what's the scheme? Like how do we how do we work these guys together and make it work? Right, right. So it's it's a it's a plan. It's a it's almost a it's a system. Mm-hmm. Right. So to me, your system has to work. And yeah. it and which means it should be able to work with anybody. If you were in the NBA, you're athletic and talented enough to 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 use this system as deep for defense, right? Now, if one part of the system breaks down, I get that part, then it could break down everybody else. But it's still a part, it's a system. So I don't know if it's, it's individuals unless a particular individual is not buying or a particular individual wolves aren't buying into the system. Yeah. So when those, this is the thing, right? Like for me, maybe this is not realistic and this is not how you can actually coach an NBA team. But if I know what I'm asking of these guys defensively, I know who's not doing it. And I wouldn't care what their stature is on the team. I wouldn't be playing the guys that aren't at least going to put in the effort to do those things. Certain guys are going to get cooked sometimes. Like it's going to happen. Good, good offense is going to be good defense. Right. But there are guys that are working. Well, yeah, exactly. But there are there are certain guys that are routinely not doing these things. Um, Poole is definitely one of those guys. Your uh, major players aren't doing or right. the main ones are not buying it. Just, exactly. And so now those are the – and it's not it's, – it's not so much Kuzma, but it is Kuzma too. It is. This year for sure. Yeah. But I think it's him pulling back from the system because he's feeling, okay, no matter how much I dedicate myself to the system, it's not going to work because this guy's not doing what he's supposed to do. And this guy's really not. So I'm set up to fail here. Should I kill myself? Right. I'm 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 probably going to get traded. Do I want to like get killed, you know, fighting through a screen for this team that I'm not going to be on for very long? I fight through a screen when I know that. Like I'm not gonna get a, I'm not getting help, right? Or I know this guy just gonna let his man drive right down the lane and not close, not really play perimeter defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's that's believe it or not, that's understandable. Yeah, I mean, it's at least a human a human feeling or emotion to have is like f this, like how hard am I gonna sell out on a losing team, right? Uh, when no one else has bought into this shit either. Like I'll die on the hill that Kuzma was really good defensively last year. Like anyone can fight me on that. I'll pull clips. I don't care. I but you listen, you. you listen to like all the best guys in the league when they matched up with them. Like James Harden talked about how hard it was for him to shoot over Kyle Kuzma's length. He still had a good game production wise, but he worked for every one of those points. This year, he's not bringing it. Like he just isn't. And you can see it. And it's a very immediate, like, okay, switch coming. We're immediately switching. Like a guy, a guy is five feet near me. We're, we're switching this pick already that hasn't happened yet. And it's, I think this is exactly what we're talking about. Pool, I, I just don't know what he's doing. Like, I'll be, I'll be very honest. Like, I'm getting tired of, like, ragging on Jordan Poole. I care less about the offense. 
just try like a little tiny effing bit. And I, I don't know how, how you fix that part. Just like the video I sent you. <laughs> yeah. The video I sent you said it all though, yeah. right? Somebody has to bring pool back to reality a little bit, mm-hmm. right? He's young and he's in the sky right now, yeah. right? And he, and he feel like he can do anything, but, I see them reeling him in a little bit offensively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think right? so. I see Still. him re- them reeling, reeling him in a little bit offensively. I see him becoming a much better facilitator and a dangerous facilitator because how he moves. He's not just facilitating from one spot. Or he's an unpredictable facilitator. And he's shifty and wiggly. And- he's shifty, and he, can, and he can facilitate from a lot of different angles, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that helps our offense out a lot. So if they can get him slow, and he's still throwing up a lot of crap, right? Yeah, throwing agreed. up a lot of bullshit, right? Sure. But they can at least start to get him in that, play, that space mm-hmm. and gradually grow him in that space offensively. How can they not do it defensively? It's the same. It's the same thing. Yep. It's a want right? to thing, but, right? <laughs> a person, just like I said, some people are very they're 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 extreme one way or extreme the other way. Mm-hmm. A great offensive players and not very good defensive players, a great defensive players and not very good offensive players, and then you get that unicorn every every now and then, but sure. you still don't get him out out the gate. Right, yeah, you right. got to make some development time. Yeah. Right now, Poole is only offensive minded. Yeah. Uh, the video you referenced for folks who haven't seen it is of Jordan Poole like looking away in the in a timeout. Wes is drawing something up. Multiple teammates are like pushing him to pay attention to the play, and then after the huddle's over, he goes up and tries to see what was on the on the clipboard and seems to not know what the play is. And I just. For reference, you sent that to me before I saw it, and so many people dismissed it as, oh, this is just one timeout. This doesn't mean anything. Plenty of NBA players are checked out of timeouts and things like that. Uh, Johnny, you lived this. To me, that's a bad sign. If I had a guy about to go back in the game on my team who was not willing to listen to the coach, uh, that that would be a red flag for me. And I mean, it doesn't mean he's doomed here and he's given up on West, but he was clearly pissed about something and and pouting. That's a terrible sign from that particular individual. That's a terrible yeah. sign from that type of player. Mm-hmm. When you have that type of player on your team, that has to be the most engaged player. Right. And that's infectious. If he's locked in, everybody else right. will be. Right. If he's like just blowing stuff off and I'm doing my own thing and then he threw a towel at somebody, right? At that point, at that exact point in the second that anybody else on the team see that, it's everything tanks right then. Yeah. But Wes sees that. So why don't you say something like, hey, get your ass down here and pay attention? Like, why totally ignore someone totally ignoring you? To me, that that doesn't streak, speak to like strong leadership if you're just going to like, oh, well, I guess what am I going to do about if he doesn't want to listen? I can't make him like sit his ass down then play one of the five guys that aren't paying attention. That's the ultimate coach killer, and if I'm and as as a, as a coach at that point, you almost have to make a statement. Yeah, you have right. to you have to blow it up and make a, a make the example of him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. you got to make a display for your own for your own sake, right? Because if any man sees that or 
anybody up, you know, upstairs sees that, they're going to notice the same thing we notice. Like, okay, the respect factor is gone. Mm-hmm. Right? I, would, I would think less of my coach for that if he just let that fly. Yeah. Uh, that's that's going to be tough. Uh, one of the things I had here for you and uh, is just something I thought was an interesting anecdote. And this is Dane Moore, who covers the Timberwolves, reported this. He said, since training camp, Mike Conley has been saying he works with Anthony Edwards all the time on reading the floor more and having more of a point guard mindset. And he asked Conley after the game if he took some pride in Ant making the read at the end of the game that won them the game. And Conley said, I don't like taking much credit, man, but he's listening. He's really listening. He's doing a good job. That's what leaders do, whether you're a vocal on the court kind of leader. He's taking the reins, putting us on his back, and that's another way you can do it. You don't always have to make the fadeaway. You don't always have to make the big flashy play. You make the right read, and we got rewarded for it. it is, I, I tweeted this out, and I got some pushback from fans that, well, no, no one will listen to it. But like, the Wizards don't have a veteran guard on this roster of like some cachet, like a Mike Conley is a really good player, right? Like he, people look at him and are like, okay, like he, he did this at a high level. Is Jordan Poole looking at DeLon Wright and Landry Shamit and thinking like, wow, I can learn so much from these guys. I really need to be paying attention and spending every day in the film room with them. To me, I would go out and try to find, we talked about all these veteran guys. I would find the guy to be, in pools here every day, your former teammate, David Vanderpool is a point guard who made the right play. I would have him and Vanderpool spend every effing minute of every day together. Like you do this in this situation and in this play, you should have done this. Like maybe he listens, maybe he doesn't. But the fact that like, Oh, he didn't listen to Steph Curry. He's 24 years old. He's in a different situation. Now he's not having success. Like when you fail a little bit and you get public scrutiny, Sometimes that opens your ears up a little bit. So maybe he's willing to listen to these guys. Maybe this is happening already. I don't know, but I would want as many like veteran savvy ears in his ear, you know, guys in his ear all the time, like beating him over the head with make the right play, make the right play. Here's the right play. Am I crazy? Does that, you think that has any help there? I mean, could do any, you know, any good. I think it comes down to, to is he willing to listen or will he listen right now? I don't know if he will. He may not, right? but, Got to try like, at least, right? So he might not be a player like, um, like, like, like you said. Um, that's that's willing to listen to this too. He, he doesn't seem like he's. It seems like he's fighting information, right? And now he's a, at a crossroad between him losing himself or the type of player he thinks he is, and the player he needs to grow into. You know, so, and and that's what it seems like. He's just fighting it, and he's fighting against it a lot. How do you break through that, though? Like, it's is it on the coaching staff? Is it on his teammates? Do you just hope it turns around over time? Like, you know, I'll be, I'll be honest, you're going to have to break them down and build them back up. But it's hard to break down somebody that's making over $100 million, <laughs> right? right? And, yeah. and the person who's breaking them down. So he now it's, <laughs> it's going to come down to man-to-man, but – you're going to have to break him down to build him back up. But I don't see him handling him getting broke down well. Case in point, Golden State. You know, right. I think it led to them having to break him down that particular way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and and we all thought this. Most A lot of people didn't say it. But when we got Poole to come over, we thought, okay, he might be a case. 
might be a hard nut to crack, you know? Sure. And we're seeing him a slow buy-in with certain in that certain aspects. And it's still so I'm not going to give him the, you know, and I was tough on pool, but I'm not, but I starting to see me personally, I'm seeing slow, slow buy-in in certain aspects. But a big buy-in, that's going to take uh that's gonna take some tough love and that's gonna that's that's gonna be a rocky process. To me though, that's why if if I'm Wes, I say like I, I'm gonna live and die by how this relationship plays out. And I'm gonna tough love him. And if you can't do the things we need you to do or are expecting of you, you might ride the bench for two games. Like that's a But does I, does that sound great. That sounds. I know, awesome. but that's what I'm saying. But like, but does Wes have that leverage? I, I don't know, and, and that's. Poo, poo, listen, in the middle of a game, though, it's his call on who plays and who doesn't. Now he may take some some gruff from the front office after that, but he's still got to coach his team. And if their whole goal is to develop Koulibaly and Denny and these young guys, and Pool becomes a detriment to it, Certain I would hope they. Play. I, I I get. I'm not saying long term. I, I understand. I'm not saying bench bench him forever. He was but. been around here a long time. Sure. And, and, hey, look, you you you're making a logical point, and you're making sense, right? And I'm not going against what you. No, saying. I but but they're not going to do it. I mean, the, I know. I don't, I don't think it's a listen. You can't do it. They got to put butts in the seats too. Sure. I mean, they put lo- locally. This organization has a marketing team. Mm. <laughs> They they market the other team's best players usually, unfortunately. But right, uh, but either I way, hear- we have to market our players. You can't sit the the player you're marketing the most. But how how do you market a bad player? He's shooting like four for eighteen every effing game. Like I can't they market mar- that. They either. did it before. The, they did it before the season started. Uh, yeah, I know, but they create who's going to be the face of the team before the season starts. I right. I'm just saying if if it were me I'd die on the hill of I'm gonna bring him off the bench the next two games would, and I let him get comfortable. Yeah, but yeah. we're not in that position right now, and you know I get it. Like I would definitely die on the hill, but Wes is already walking a thin line. Right. I mean, it's, I, yeah, I, the writing I mean, is on the wall almost with him anyway. So yeah, like what Wes has it. Wes is in a tight predicament right now. Aren't you showing your next team, though, even if your future is not long here, that you're not going to be bullied by by a guy like that? You, you have like, you, to. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. So I, the, it's got to come from the next guy they bring in. They're going to bring someone who's much more tough. nose, some more who. Yeah. And, and I think that's why they're taking their time. Say, let's West finish this out so we could really, really get someone who's out there who's available. Yeah. And also, and you know, I love Wes, my guy, but they're really going to go with somebody that the players going to respect even more just because of this situation and how they saw how this turned out. Mm-hmm. I think so too. And yeah, it's, honestly, I, I'm not even shitting on Wes as a, as a basketball mind. Like he'll know more about basketball than, you know, he'll forget more about basketball than I'll ever know. I, I'm not trying to call him out. I think the offense has actually looked, a lot crisper lately and they're kind of buying in some stuff overall there. So I, I'm not trying to trash him. It's, it's the people management portion of the business. Not every guy's equipped to handle every particular personality or set of personalities. So you saw this in Atlanta with like the Lloyd Pierce 
thing with Trey Young, Lloyd Pierce, great developmental guy, just got walked all over. They brought in Nate McMillan and they were like, nah, like this shit will not fly. And now eventually Nate kind of burned out there too. But at least for a while, there were like immediate dividends between like, this is like the standard that we're setting for the organization. And him being the hard ass seemed to work for them, at least for for a while. Now you might have a short shelf life doing that, but right. I don't know. It, it, they've they've got to do something about the pool thing. And it's not to rag on Jordan Poole. Certain guys are certain ways. you got to find the right way to reach every guy. And it doesn't seem like they found the way to reach him yet. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you. All right, so that's the bad. We got that out of the way. Let's go back to the good here. Bilal Koulibaly is good as shit at basketball. Like, he is already better like than I than I expected him to be by the end of this year. Like the defense is impressive. He's smooth offensively. He gets the ball to the right people. The shooting looks better already. He's shooting like 50% from three, I think. I don't have it in front of me, but like it, it's cleaner. This is a guy that is somehow like not on national top 10 rookie ranking so far, which is crazy to me. Like he's clearly one of the five best rookies in the league this year. Uh, so I, they're better when he's on the court. Like the net rating is better. He's already making an impact for them, at least defensively and in a transition. So uh, I'm I'm just very pleased with what we're seeing with him so far. For him to be so young, he's a very wise, poised, yeah, um, cerebral player. Mm-hmm. Right? Think about to be that young and to read the passing lane or read a defender like he is. Yeah. You see how many steals he gets? How many places, <laughs> sick. How many places he's in, how he's always in the right place, right? Just and, just on that real quick, Jahani, in the Raptors game, Koulibaly became the first Wizards rookie since John Wall to record three-plus steals in back-to-back games. That's nuts. Crazy. 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 And, and, and he's And he's – Sometimes you can't tell if he's athletic, and then he'll block a shot, yeah. right? Or maybe even that one he goaltended, he was on the top of the box, yeah. right? I'm like, man, like how to do that? <laughs> right. So he's a he's a very sound, but he's a smart. He's very instinctual mm-hmm. for his age. He's very instinctual, and he's and he's so poised. He's almost like I, I call him the rookie vet, yeah. Because yeah, right. Because he's you know how old folks see a, a baby and be like, oh, she's been here before. She got an mm-hmm. old soul. You know mm-hmm. how to say that? Yep. Cooler Bali played NBA ball before somewhere in the next <laughs> lifetime, in the past <laughs> lifetime. It feels like it. Yeah, it feels like it. Um, and I, I just like where he's going. I like he does it. And he Most rookies overdo things. Yeah. Right? They try things out. He don't do anything he can't do. But he's not afraid to do everything he can do. Yeah, all of that. That's right. And and so and, and he's confident in it, and he's poised in it. Right. You know, I I I think so. I always said that Cooler Body was going to be our biggest surprise. But I'm yeah. surprised. Yeah. I'm surprised yeah. that there's more to him than what I thought. Yeah. Same. The, the shooting has been the biggest thing for me. The defense, like I, I saw enough of him last year to know, like he could, he could like cause some problems. But uh, I lied. Oh, he had a downhill game. I did not. I did not. I didn't think he'd put the ball on the floor as well as he has. And 
I said, I, I lied a minute ago. I said he's shooting 50% from three. I grossly exaggerated. It's only 47.2% from three. So, oh, oh, that's the all. Yeah, exactly. We got to, got to work on that form. Uh, in this most recent game, he had 10 points on four or five shooting, two of two from three, had a career best eight rebounds, three assists, and one block in 28 minutes off the bench. And honestly, did a pretty solid job of guarding Luka Doncic without fouling a ton. Like, that's huge already. I think. Um, that's a tough assignment too. Yeah, no shit. Like no one else in the league does that. And, and crazy thing is, if I'm on on the Wizards, I'm a coach. I look down. I'm like, Kulabali, the Bilal, get your butt in there. Because yeah, he's yeah. the only guy I can think of. Yeah. At that age, and and as being a rookie, he's the only guy on my entire roster I can think of putting on Luke. Yeah. And would possibly do a, a best job than anybody else. Mm-hmm. That says a lot. But that's also I don't know if that says a lot or if that's awful, if that's yeah, bad, it's you know. I'm with you. It's it's somehow both. Uh, like, Denny has done a pretty decent job on Luka historically. It's just he fouls a little too quickly. The fact that Bilal guarded him pretty well without, like, immediately fouling out as a rookie is is the thing I was, like, uh, most impressed by. But my favorite part, uh, the other night they got blown out in the fourth quarter against, I think, the Toronto game. He said, or no. Some, eh, losing track, but Kulabali said uh, defensively, we're not playing for each other. We're not in the right rotations. We're not respecting what we're supposed to do. It's all the stuff we just talked about. The rookie guy already gets. Man, oh, he, he's exactly what you just said. Yeah, <laughs> he's played in the league before yeah. in the past lifetime. But it's but he's he's already he came in as a professional. Mm-hmm. Came in as a top professional. Yep. He came in as a player on a team that the rest of the world wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Right? He came yeah. in playing in all intense situations. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, so it's nothing he hasn't seen. It's true. I mean, any any every every team overseas wanted to play. What was the name of that team? Uh the, the team Wimbyama was on Metropolitan's '92. Yeah, the 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 Mets. Yep, Mets '92. Right, every team in the world wanted to play them. Yeah. So he got the best of the best from everyone every night he, mm-hmm. that he had to compete against. Yeah, and, he, and this is he's this is, more than prepared for the NBA. Yeah, this is a dude that it wasn't like handed to him either. Like Wembenyama, everybody's been talking about since he was 14. Kulbali wasn't supposed to play on that team. And they played him just because they wanted practice bodies to run with Wembenyama. And then they're like, oh, shit, this guy can do some stuff. And then it was, well, he's he's on the end of the bench. Well, now he can play. Now he's in the rotation. Okay, now he's the first guy off the bench. Now he's a starter. Now he's running pick and roll to close games. It's when you can just, like, scale up that quickly. I'm like, the, the, the basketball IQ, I think we're, like, significantly, like, undervaluing here for him. And hopefully that rubs off on all these other guys. No, I mean he's processing things so fast. Yeah, he's taking it. He he's a person to be to be able to take in a that much information that quickly in that little time, mm-hmm. and to pour it back out in the right way. Yeah, right. And prime example, what he just said in his interview. He sounds like a coach. Exactly. Right. <laughs> like the, the vets. Oh, he sounds like he yeah. sounds like a LeBron James. Yeah. Right with the with his understanding and like his, how he's processing the information and really clearly he's seeing he's seeing it vividly, and he's 
and he's processed. Like, come on, man, that's no rookie says no, anything like that. It's true. Yeah. First of all, they don't even see it. Exactly. That's the biggest thing, right? To, to have the poise to say they it. They can't is one comprehend thing. that yet. Yeah. They're usually just running around getting cardio in and it works out great. But come on, uh, rush, man. The other, the other nice thing, uh, Neil Dalal of Hoop District asked Kulabali how tall he is currently. And he said he's six foot eight without shoes. He was 6.75 inches on draft night. So he's grown on almost an inch and a half since he's been here. They asked him or they, they measured him. They asked him and, and he was pretty well, upfront about it before, but he looks taller than me. Like then he looks taller to me than he did um, watching him play last year. Maybe it's because he's filled out a little bit more, but he's six, eight. And he said six, eight without shoes. Six, eight without shoes. So six, nine ish. Yeah. Maybe with with nine. shoes on. Yeah. He may be. I, I don't know about you. I, I tweeted this out when I saw that clip. I was uh, five foot five at 14 and I was six feet tall at 15 and I have not grown since then. So when guys grow at 19, 20 years old, it pisses me off personally because uh, I did not experience that. But but some yeah. of these dudes like Giannis grew, you know, two, three inches since joining the league, too. So it's not out of the realm yeah. of possibility. I mean, he keeps getting bigger. That just gives me hope when guys grow at 19. When yeah, Jason right. Tatum came in at six, seven, nine, yeah. six, ten. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Yeah, you, you you see Tatum in person, right? Like he has definitely gotten bigger. That's not like a well, media I hype. Look at him like this now. <laughs> yeah. I used to look at him like this. Right. Yeah, that that's just crazy. Um all right. I let's clean up the chat here a little bit and check in on some of these things. Uh so let's see. Stephen Fine asked, Would the Wizards hire John Wall as a coach? That will never happen. Not yeah. while Ted Leonsis owns the team. That ended poorly for a reason. You also had shit where like Wall and Beal like basically bullied Otto Porter. He hit a coach while he was here. Like they're not going to do that to bring him in as a guy to teach other young men, no matter how savvy he is about reading the game. It just won't happen here. Like maybe he coaches somewhere down the road. I've seen people ask about Gilbert Arenas. That shit's not happening either. That's like, definitely not happening. Yeah. So I, I appreciate the comment, but they would never. I mean, I, not saying it shouldn't. I'm just saying it won't. Yeah, exactly. You know, certain sports are now saying, "Okay, let me let me get a guy's guy in mm-hmm. that they can relate to." Yeah, you know, it's just a level of professionalism that you kind of have to sustain in this league to be a coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not saying those guys can't do it. They have not shown it thus far. It's just uh, you know, it's a lot. It would be a lot of. For- Forgiveness first. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, that's a maybe later in life kind of thing. And for Wall, I think he still wants to play. And that's this is not a team that seems to want to make something like that happen. Uh, Will Clayton said, uh, Josh Robbins mentioned that the postgame interviews could have just been Bilal echoing sentiments from Wes as well, which would make a lot of sense. But I think that he said it of his own volition. Yeah, I like to think that he said it of his own volition. Yeah, I agree. Like I, whether it... Whether he's regurgitating what he says or hears from his coaches or not, I, it's good. His teammates don't do that shit. So at least he's taking something in and repeating it, uh, and and I can live with that. Yeah, I, I hope the NBA doesn't the uh, being sometimes being on the wrong the coming in and being on certain organizations mm-hmm. that's in like in a revamp situation or you know. Some in a breakdown situation sometime or just you know chaos sometimes mm-hmm. some 
you can come into chaos sometimes. Yeah. And it can ruin your perspective or of how you see the league or kind of, and it can change you into a different type of person and different type of player. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I do hope that this was coming directly from Koulibaly. Secondly, I hope that in the process of them getting the Wizards where they want to and in the long run, it doesn't um, uh, affect him. You know, he don't he don't get. I'm looking for a specific word, but uh, he's not going to become jaded because of all the other you know stuff. Right, he's he don't, right, right, exactly. Yeah, I, I think that's happened to a lot of Wizards rookies the last couple of years. Like, I tweeted something the other day about the guys I was most excited about of guys drafted by the Wizards outside of the lottery the last decade or two, and uh, both JaVale McGee and Andre Blatch were two oh, guys that physically. I was like, holy shit, I have never seen stuff that JaVale McGee was doing from anybody. But he came in and was surrounded by a bunch of goofballs, and he acted like a goofball. And it took him getting to places and like Gold State. It infected him, right. He got yeah. infected. And, you know, and so I just hope it don't, you know, torment him and break him down. I want him – he came – he already has come into come in as a professional. Right. And I heard being overseas is more – of a different mindset, of team mindset. It gets you back into the NBA can be very selfish. Mm-hmm. You and I know this, right? And that's why there's there's good teams and then there's a lot of not really good teams mm-hmm. because of how selfish the players can be, Yeah, right? And so a player like him is special and I don't want you know him to get – infected by the the selfish part of the NBA. Yeah. I'm totally with you. Uh, One guy I would like to see be more selfish is Wizards second-year player Johnny Davis. Still looks tentative and unsure of himself offensively out there. The jump shot is, like, getting worse again. It's done this, like, weird peak and valley thing of, like, sometimes the form looks normal. I think we've got to be in, like, a Markel Fultz situation where, like, the lower body injuries – changed the form in some way and now it's like hitchy and it looks like Charles Barkley's like golf swing like that's what we're dealing with now but he guards the shit out of people on a team that doesn't have a lot of guys that want to guard people and uh Wes Unsell Jr. said that uh on what Johnny Davis has to do to get minutes right now it's a little bit of a log jam it's not necessarily Johnny it's just a byproduct of the numbers he'll get opportunities though my challenge to him is just stay ready I hate that. I couldn't hate that anymore. If you've already said that, like, we don't care about wins and losses, we care about seeing growth from young guys, it, that that doesn't track. Like, if you're not going to play Davis, like, unless you've totally given up on him as a front office and you just can't unload the contract, maybe. Uh, so maybe that's coming from them. But to me, I would want to give him every opportunity to see what he can really do. Like playing Landry Shamet right now does nothing for them. Again, not to just keep shitting on Landry Shamet or Anthony Gill or any of these guys, but they're not in the long-term future. Davis may not be either, but like, let's make absolutely sure that this is the guy or isn't the guy. And to me, at least if he's smart enough to put an effort and defend at a high level, like he's try- that means he's trying and, and he's getting what's happening. So I think the offense would come over time. Uh, Wes also said that it's hard to get him in there because they don't want to tinker with lineups too much and throw off the synergy. 
that's bullshit because they've thrown every lineup combo you can think of out there. Some of the two-way guys are playing. So uh, I, I don't know. It just makes me angry to hear that they've gonna they're they're gonna squander this guy completely, and he'll probably go be somewhere good, like be good on his second contract somewhere. I don't think it's always them squandering the guy. So first of all, mm-hmm. we see the same team they see. That's true. That's not too much to be a log jam for. Right. To be a log jam, right? Like, yeah. let's be real. Mm-hmm. So I'm not buying that. Secondly, we know they're trying to clear their roster. Yeah. Clearly got a lot of guys. For you to be able to clear a lot of guys, you have to put them on display. Yeah, for sure. So maybe he's not on display because they have a bigger, longer plan for him to be there and be around. We can still just develop him now. And, and just, you know, maybe. Yeah. No, this, this is the only thing I can hope for. Andrew Shamit, a guy that, that right. – we don't consider better than than Davis, so we can get something for him. Mm-hmm. So we're able to free it up, free it up, right? So they can say when it's time to free him up, we say, okay, well, he's calculating these many minutes. Mm-hmm. He's that much effective of a player, right? So it can it can be used for some type of leverage, maybe that he's on the bench. Um, but in the end of the day, you know, you don't want to all. You don't want to also kill the player's spirit, and but I mean, usually when you get a guy like that, you know, you're, you're in the first round, you don't just give him up. Not yeah, not not. And if they would, really. if you know they're putting time into him and working with him, mm-hmm. and you know how good of a defensive player he is, I think they just may be saying, "Hey, let's let's pause him for a while. He's young. We got time with him." I, I hope that that's the answer. Like, I really do. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just, it's a bad look. I, only, and it's not to push back to you, because I, I think you're making the logical argument there. It's just, if I'm another front office exec of some sort, do I really need to see what Landry Shamit looks like in minimal run for the Wizards to know what he can give me at this point? Like, is his game going to be drastically well, changed? Maybe, maybe he go, if you give him enough time, you get comfortable. Maybe he can, you know, th- these young players, they can get, they can really become, you know, they may give you something of leverage if, you know, yeah. right? So let's give him the opportunity. Mm-hmm. If we don't, we don't lose anything. Yeah. It's only a situation where we can say, hey, let's try to gain a little more. We're not going to lose with anything less. And if we're really trying to push this guy, we got to put him on display. To push. I've seen it happen. I've mm-hmm. seen it happen on the team teams I played on a lot where a guy who's been playing a lot and all of a sudden, boom, he stopped playing. Mm-hmm. And then some guy who's not playing at all starts playing a lot. Yeah. And then you slowly see, oh, then uh, ah, that's here. what yeah. happened. Right? Mm-hmm. So I think that may be the case. I very much hope so. I, I like. I need that to be the case, not that they've they've given up already here. A uh, couple of comments from the chat here. Hostway said JJ Redick as some sort of coach or consultant. Uh, Joe Swam said Rajon Rondo. I really like the Rondo one. I, I don't know if he has interest in an NBA one, but all the guys that played with him said that he was like the number one guy that helped them learn to study film, like understand the game, like break down everything. Like that. that's the kind of guy I think would be really intriguing. JJ has already interviewed for a few head coaching jobs, so I think someone will hire him in some way eventually. But uh, Rondo wants a lot of can't be an assistant. His his personality is too strong. 
Yeah, I, I could see that too. He's coaching and his Rondo, AU team right now. Who, I think. Who needs a Rondo? Yeah, he'd be great. Who needs exactly? That's that's the perf- perfect person or the perfect coach, right? But Rondo is very Rondo more of a college coach. I could see that. Yeah, he's gonna kind of push guys to in a, yeah yeah like yeah because he's. It, these are grown men, right. you know what I'm saying? But you're going to respect Rondo. So, but I think Rondo also is the best. It's like a stack house. Mm-hmm. Rondo and stack houses. Yeah, no nonsense, right? Right, no nonsense, right? So, and that's what the Wizards are going to need a stack or a Rondo type. Yep. Now, also, you know, you're just going to have to work with him because I've seen Rondo turn a team around in a week. I, I coached against Rondo in uh, the Elite 100 NBA MBPA Elite 100. Mm-hmm. This guy in three days put together and made a team mentally, physically buy in to everything in three days. Took a vacation, had to go somewhere else for two days. Yeah. The gap was only a, a week. Came back on the fifth day. His team was in the championship game. And won the championship. That's how much he had those players eating out of his hand in a week. That's how. That's like how. Far that. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, you've sold me. I would take it. I mean, even if he's the, even if he's better on the, um, on a college roster, it still seems like that's somebody could help. To be fair, he also did like, basically have a knockdown drag out fight with uh, Rick Carlisle in Dallas, and that blew up quickly. So, to your point, strong personality. If he comes in, he has to be the head coach. Yeah. If he's your assistant and doesn't like what you're doing, uh, he might actually try to fight you. And I don't know. He's going to be a bigger voice than you. Right. True. Yeah. No matter if you're a head coach, he's going to be a bigger voice than you. So if you don't, if you don't mind him being a bigger voice than you, fine. Mm -hmm. But if you want to be the biggest voice, then you, it's going to, it's going to come to a head. Yeah. I think so too. Uh, just transitioning here a little bit, um, the game against the Raptors. They, like we talked about already, had a big collapse, up 16 with six minutes left, didn't make a field goal the rest of the game. The final three plays, inbounded the ball out of bounds, couldn't actually foul Dennis Schroeder, and uh, basically just kind of gave up on the last like five seconds of the game. In the games before that, they gave up a 25 to six third quarter run or fourth quarter run against the Hornets, a 20 to five fourth quarter run against the Nets and a 21 to one fourth quarter run against the Raptors. Those are the ones that are hard to stomach. I don't know what you do about it, but one of the things that was a a trend in both of those games or in all three of those games is Gafford came out for key stretches when those teams went on those runs, especially against Toronto. They got abused on the boards and Wes said he took Gafford out to bring in another ball handler to beat Toronto's pressure, but they got abused at the rim. Like it became a layup line for Siakam and there was the Clippers loss uh, last year, the year before, I can't even remember now. It's been so blocked out of my memory, but he benched Gafford and they got destroyed at the rim and gave up a huge 35 point lead. To me, if I'm the front office, what I'm hearing from this is I can't afford like these guys to not have a rim protector of some sort on the court with them. And having Gallinari be your backup five when he's like totally immobile, it just your perimeter defense is so bad. 
Gafford has to cover up for so much. When he comes out, there is no plan B. And I, I would be looking for somebody uh, in, in the trade deadline era, era, area here just to like bolster that a little bit because you can't even see what guys can do if they're just getting run out on. Like, you know what I mean? Like you have to have like appropriate context and a solid a solid center on the court, I think, just to even be able to evaluate everybody else properly. Yeah, I mean, we had this conversation before. I think sometimes they look for too much, yeah. right? If you're going to get a Gallinari, you know, then you, you're you not looking for what you need, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's you're going to get more offensive presence than defensive presence, sure. right? And that's not what we need. No, not with that group. Right. So, um, so we need just a specific traditional basket protecting, you know, can move his feet big. Mm-hmm. So we keep going for the, I feel like we're going for the wrong types of bigs. Yeah. Right. We're going to old, like traditional bigs who are not very athletic, you know, that can lease okay well. He's averaging this much. He's averaging this much. He can he can stretch the floor. We look for all this stretch the floor, you know, new school. Like we need an old school, just long African. <laughs> I mean, not not new, but but you know, like yeah, no, I'm with you. Yeah, just a, a tall athletic guy to come in yeah. there and just be in the way. Yeah, just be in the way. Change shots, you know. <laughs> you don't need him for anything else. Right, and then on offensive end, every if he can dip in every now and then, he just throw it up and dunk it. But you mm-hmm. know, and we're getting the complete opposite. Yeah, yeah, we're going for the complete opposite now. Gafford, all now he's protecting the rim a little better now. Mm-hmm. Right, they're starting to include him in the offensive a little bit bit better, and yeah. he's putting up some better numbers. But to me, also, he has to realize he's now playing better to the point where he's now included in the offense more. So they're looking at you. So right. I just feel like now they're looking at him more than they normally would. Mm-hmm. He's not ready for the catches. So he sure. just has to be ready for now and say, hey, I it's I always have to be on point that, this, you know, a pass may come from anywhere, mm-hmm. right? And it's, it's points where he he does rim protect. I still want him to do this next thing. Yeah. He may block a shot, then he don't, you know, don't do the next thing. And he, he still – he lets a lot still go at the rim, but I see what he's doing. Yeah. He's learning to say, Hey, I'd rather stay in the game. I can't foul out immediately. Right. <laughs> right. He's saying, I, yeah. I can't protect everything. I'd rather stay in the game so I can get mine yeah. instead of ha- having to really protect everything all the time. I respect somebody that wants to challenge literally everything, but when you have that poor a perimeter defense, you're going to be challenging literally every possession. Yeah. yeah. Like this is no way yeah. to efficiently it's not, do it's not that. fair to him. Yeah. And, and to your point that that's a great call about, I think he has been a lot more judicious about like, okay, this one is worth me picking up a foul on right, or whatever. So uh, Joe Swam said at least three times every game, I'm convinced that Gafford is seriously injured and will need to come out of the game. He usually shakes it off, but it makes me nervous. This is Jahai's biggest thing. A uh, recurring theme on the show is how often, Ga- how often Gafford falls down and, it's been a little less, I feel like. Just like, like a little. And then he sits, stayed down there and grimace and just played a role. Like, you know, hey, man, you all, you seven feet, bro. It's seven <laughs> feet. We can't do what the, the little guys do. Exactly. Right? Trey Young can get away with that. But. Can't roll around the floor and ooh and ah. 
we got to get our big ass up and play. Mm-hmm. There's a respect uh, factor when you're a certain height. Exactly. You got to hold it down for the rest of the seven. Yeah, you can't, certain things, when you get past a certain height, you can't do it anymore. It just, there's nothing you can do about it. You can't do it anymore. Yep. Right. People look at you weird. Uh, speaking of the younger big guys, uh, the Capital City Go-Go have played a couple games now. They played on Wednesday afternoon at 11.30 a.m., which is still a weird time to me for a G League game, but it was kind of nice on the lunch break to have a little something to watch there. Uh, Amarui was ridiculous. He had like 30 points and 15 rebounds or whatever the case may be. He looked like a man against boys on a G League court. But uh, John Butler Jr., the guy they picked up as a second-year player out of Florida State, so literally 195 pounds soaking wet at seven feet tall. But he was like actively trying to challenge and, you know, like, like contest stuff. And, and he's too skinny to be an NBA center right now. But I appreciated the same kind of thing where like guys are not going to score at the rim easily against us. And, uh, you know, maybe there's something there, at least like the mindset. So between him and Amarui, I'm excited to see what they're slightly undersized, you know, vertically and and horizontally undersized uh, front court can do. Yeah, I think Amarui could be a good player for us eventually. Yeah. He he has to be a smart player for him to be able to get a, a chance. Right, exactly. Like they gave him a chance, and you're not going to get too many opportunities. Yeah. So you got to know when you do have your opportunity that you have to be ready for it, and you like. I'm I'm a really reminded me of kind of somewhat of myself. Not he's a different player than I was, but he physical too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would go out there, big staff would put me in the game, and I get quick fouls and sit back down. Put me in the game again. Next next day, do it again. Next game, do it again. And Mitch Richmond said, "Man, you see what's going on?" I was like, "What? Like you getting the opportunity?" Yeah, can't waste and that. You're just throwing away every time you go out there. You just go act wild and foul. And I feel like that's how Amarui is because he tried to prove himself so much yeah. that he think he's proving himself by being physical and extra physical. But you're not staying in the game, mm-hmm. and eventually they're gonna stop giving you those opportunities. Show them you can play. Yeah, especially especially like the Hornets game and stuff where their other bigs were just beating us on effort and energy. That's the game I think where he can make the most kind of impact. Asking him to guard Embiid impact on any game because he just uh he's so he he's undersized with a big body which is kind of like a Zion type of body. He's physical, stocky, physical. You know now big he can hold you on your like he uh, the 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 your equilibrium like the level he is Mm. is perfect for you for just to put a big right where he can't move right so he can. He's versatile. Then he can move his feet and guard a one through a five, mm-hmm. right? If he just goes out there and actually plays smart and quit going out there and just acting like wild and fouling everybody, he would now, I feel, be a more part of the rotation right now to this day because he had the he had his opportunities, and if he just approaches opportunities correctly, he'd get them again. Yeah, I think so too. But he could be a, a factor in our in our rotation right now. The other portion of this for him is just being a two-way player. There's only so many games he can play throughout the course of the year, too. So I, I think they're going to give him some opportunities to go out and just see if he can, like, dominate a G League game. And it's nice to see that he did that already. So um, yeah, there's... G League is, is good. You know, some great players in G League. Mm-hmm. 
but it's the G League for a reason. Yeah, for sure. You know, but certain players like 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 those two you mentioned, they're definitely NBA caliber players. They can play in this game. Yep. And we stopped seeing it. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Rollins had some good plays too. Jared Butler had some good plays. So uh Patrick Baldwin Jr. had a couple moments. He also did some dumb shit. So I, I don't know. I still don't know how to feel about him. But hey, it's all good. At least to have the young guys um progressing in the right way here. Uh Chad, anything else wizards related here you want to hit on before we get out of here? Keep hope alive. <laughs> in in Kulabali, we trust. I think uh, yeah, yes. Right. I'm focus on that. Uh, just kind of off topic here real quick to close us out. Uh, James Plowright, that covers the Hornets at previously the Bobcats, I guess, um, wanted to know if you had any stories or anecdotes about Gerald Wallace or Emeka Okafor. Gerald Wallace, no other than he just was a, a freak athlete. Great yeah. guy. Great player. And any of Mecca stories? I wouldn't be a tell on here, <laughs> but he's a, he's a, he's a great guy too. I love that. Yeah. yeah. I, I really liked him in his one year with the wizards too. I, I think if he'd uh, stayed healthy a little longer, he probably would have been a pretty good fit here. Oh, Although he also turned him into Gortat and that worked pretty well. Yeah, Mega had a unique game. He's had such a, uh, untraditional type of style mm-hmm. of play that you would think he wasn't good. And then you yep. look up and he's a uh, guy like 20 points. You're like, mm. How did he do that? Yeah, yeah wow. Like, it's not because yeah, he's play straight up. Mm-hmm. His back would be straight up, and it's just quirky shots. But those are the most, you know, effective players sometimes because they just are completely How- out the box of normal rhythm of basketball. Right. How do you scout that, too, you know, when, the, like, the, yeah. the cadence is kind of different than everybody right. else? Uh, that's great. All right. I appreciate everybody following along here in the chat. Really good presence. I, one other comment, just shout out. Joe Swam said, uh, we've got to get this video up to more than six likes. I very much agree with that. So if everybody is willing to hit that little like button for us, that's great. Trying to grow the channel here. Uh, the more eyes we get on this from likes and Come on, shares and all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. It, it continues to build it up with the fan base and, and all that kind of good stuff. So we always appreciate that. Uh, reviews are great too. Uh, brought to you by betonline.ag. So uh, appreciate them sponsoring the show. If you would like to sponsor the show or a segment or anything else like that, let us know. We'll definitely uh, hook you up there. But as always, just believe in wizards and uh, we will catch you all next time. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube